Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everyone. Today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by Crane Shares. Learn about their KRBN ETF at craneshares.com forward slash KRBN. Now to the top analysis of today's markets. Is QE about to make a comeback? Welcome to this live edition of Steno Signals. My name is Andreas Steno, the senior editor at Real Vision, and we are going to discuss today whether the deposit flight crisis is contained for now after the Federal Reserve meeting yesterday and whether the Federal Reserve will need to do more to contain this crisis in the uh, weeks ahead of us. But uh, before we get to the potential solutions to this deposit flight crisis, I'd like to just take a look at the recent price action in interest rates to give you a flavor of how severe it's been relative to, for example, 9-11 and the post-crisis environment in 2008-2009 after the great financial crisis. If we look at the development in two-year bond yields in the US, um, I've labeled the chart nothing to see here since um, it kind of reveals the magnitude of the moves that we've seen in bond space relative to other crisis situations um, in US history. The one week change in two year bond yields in the US has been sort of double up of the move that we've seen post Lehman, post 9-11 and um, post the pandemic lockdowns. So this is a very severe move in the interest rate space and something that you should pay attention to in my humble opinion. So why have we seen such a big move? Is it all driven by expectations of uh, rate cuts upcoming for the Federal Reserve or is it also driven by technical factors? I think it's a combination of the two. Um, So first of all, this is obviously a market looking for rate cuts already in two, three, four months from now. And uh, the market expects the Federal Reserve to commence a relatively um, severe cutting cycle already soon, um, all the way into 2024. And um, the question is whether the Federal Reserve will cave in to the uh, demand from the yield curve, because ultimately it is very, very tricky to convince the market of another course uh, when the market screams as loud as it does right now. But I also think there is a technicality uh, that we need to discuss in relation to this move in the yield curve because Credit Suisse, the uh, Swiss bank that uh, essentially went bankrupt last weekend, uh, was one of the biggest players uh, in terms of leveraged financing uh, for hedge funds. And um, I have loads of, of clients in the space, and I know that Credit Suisse is a big counterpart to many uh, larger hedge funds. And uh, Credit Suisse has been one of the key players in this space in, in recent decades. And I wouldn't rule out that the lack of risk appetite uh, from Credit Suisse uh, heading into their um, de facto bankruptcy and um, 
after that takeover by by UBS has been a part of um, these moves in the uh, dollar bond space as well. Simply since a lot of these hedge funds uh, were betting on higher interest rates uh, in the US uh, in in leveraged positions, and as soon as the leveraged financing was um, uh, pulled away from the market, they uh, probably had to de-risk or square their positions um, in a very rapid way. And I think that it's sort of exaggerated the move uh, in in the bond space um, on top of the um, expectations forming of a um, cutting cycle commencing soon from the Federal Reserve. But let's have a look at whether the crisis is contained after this Federal Reserve meeting, because I essentially think the key to understanding asset allocation and investments in the months ahead of us uh, will be to understand whether the deposit flight from banks is contained or, or not. And um, I find various ways of, of measuring uh, whether the deposit base is, is leaving the banking sector or, or not. And if we look at uh, the chart called um, the deposit flight continues first here, I'd like to point your attention to the relationship between the shape of the yield curve and the behavior of consumers in banks. So why do we see deposit flight right now? Yeah, I think it is related to the inversion of the yield curve uh, that we've seen in recent quarters in the US. The reason is that banks thrive when the yield curve is steep. Banks fund themselves in the front of the yield curve, for example, via deposits from customers, while they lend out uh, the deposits uh, with longer time horizons, and therefore they earn the spread between far-end yields and front-end yields. So when we have an inversion of the yield curve, it is typically something that spills over to uh, weaker, weaker margins in, in banks, and therefore they try to orchestrate their own yield curve and keep that yield curve steep by not raising interest rates on deposits to the same extent as we've seen interest rate hikes in the Fed funds. And uh, if you look at the average um, deposit rate in the US, it's probably still about 0.5% despite Fed funds uh, reaching 5% uh, in the upper uh, bound of the range yesterday, um, meaning that this spread between the Fed funds rate and the average deposit rate out there has been growing and growing and growing. In, uh, in recent months. And at some point, you're simply incentivized uh, as a bank customer to move your money away from the bank and into a money market fund, uh, which yields close to, to 5% or uh, into T-bills directly, uh, because it's essentially as safe, if not even safer than um, having a bank deposit, and it yields better. So I think this is the underlying root cause of the deposit flight from banks. And as long as the Federal Reserve hikes interest rates, this spread will basically uh, continue to grow. And, and therefore, my uh, overall conclusion uh, after the Federal Reserve meeting yesterday is that they are not yet willing to admit to the root cause of this deposit flight, meaning that deposits will continue to flee banks in weeks ahead, despite measures taken by the US Treasury and despite measures taken, taken by the Fed to sort of ensure liquidity across the banking system. It doesn't really matter whether you have access to um, endless liquidity as a bank if clients keep pulling uh, money out of the bank because 
ultimately uh, you need to find a viable business model and it's not a viable business model to only lend uh, via the Federal Reserve. So uh, you need customers and if customers continue to leave, uh, it will eventually turn into an issue to, to more banks, for more banks than what we've uh, already seen. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So if we look at why this deposit flight continues, I'd, I'd like to just uh, briefly roll back time, uh, say seven, eight days uh, to the hearing uh, of Janet Yellen in, um, in Congress. Um, she was asked by a, a Republican member of Congress from Oklahoma whether Oklahoma banks would uh, see the same kind of um, safeguarding from US Treasury and the Federal Reserve should one of the local banks in Oklahoma um, get into trouble. And Janet Yellen obviously couldn't say yes to that question. Uh, she instead referred to a, uh, an assessment of whether a bank is systemic or not. Uh, and one thing I know is that a small bank in Oklahoma would not be deemed systemically important by the end of the day. And therefore the response from Janet Yellen um, basically ended up as a catalyst for further uh, deposits leaving the banking system. And Jay Powell was asked uh, similar questions yesterday, and it was the exact timing of the sell-off post the, uh, uh, the press release that um, uh, it sort of coincided with these questions to Jay Powell when he was asked about the guarantee of deposits in smaller banks. He couldn't really give any guarantees and then the sell-off in equity markets started and uh, likely also continued deposit flights followed. So how do we measure the deposit flights on an ongoing basis now that it is the most important gauge at all for financial stability going forward? Well, first of all, we actually have a daily number to follow, uh, and I think you should uh, you should start doing so if you're not already uh, following that. It is the daily usage of the so-called overnight reverse repo facility at the Federal Reserve. It is used by money market funds in particular when they have excess capacity or excess liquidity that they need to find a home for. Um, it usually happens when there are too few T-bills uh, available uh, from a supply perspective, uh, and then money market funds, they decide to, to park their uh, liquidity at the Fed in return for uh, collateral in the form of a T-bill, for example. And we've seen a spike in the usage of the overnight reverse BPO of roughly 100 billion both yesterday and the day prior to that, meaning that uh, money market funds likely saw inflows um, after the Federal Reserve meeting yesterday or, or amidst it, uh, since they had to find a home for um, 
quite a few billions of dollars yesterday. If the search continues in this overnight reverse repo facility, I would consider that an early signal that the deposit flight in the banking system continues. We will get more clarity on the exact numbers in the um, money market system uh, already later today. So the second way we can measure this deposit flight is to look into the actual flows into money market funds on a weekly basis. We uh, we get uh, data from Wednesday to Wednesday released on Thursdays. Uh, and um, the last print um, just a week ago showcased uh, an inflow of more than 100 billion to money market funds. So basically bank clients taking up deposits from banks and putting them into money market funds effectively into T-bills by the end of the day. Uh, and uh, this number will be scrutinized week in and week out from here uh, to assess whether the deposit flight continues. But we have a third thing that we need to watch now uh, when it comes to uh, the deposits, and that is the new lending program from the Federal Reserve, uh, which was put in place uh, just a couple of days after the uh, bankruptcy of Silicon Valley Bank. And um, it is called the BTFP, uh, so a term funding program for banks. Uh, and it is essentially a program designed to meet uh, claims for deposits when they leave the banking system. It allows banking counterparties um, to post collateral at par uh, at the Federal Reserve in return for a one-year loan um, priced at Fed funds plus 10 basis points. And um, this facility was used uh, quite a bit uh, just uh, since the inauguration um, a week ago. And uh, if we get continued flight um, from, from banks, we should probably also expect some of these regional banks to utilize this program to post bonds underwater um, as collateral uh, for new liquidity injected into the bank. And uh, as you can see from the chart, it was a pretty decent spike. Uh, we've also seen spikes in other emergency lending, lending programs from the Fed. And therefore, the question is now, is this some sort of new QE program in disguise by the Federal Reserve? I think the answer is both yes and no. Um, from a practical perspective, uh, it is clearly not QE since the Fed is not buying assets from the market. Instead, they hold assets as collateral temporarily, hopefully at least, while they lend out the new dollars to uh, a financial institution. But let's assume that a bank uh, takes up a loan in this new program, collateralized via uh, bonds, and the bank goes bankrupt in a month or two from now. Then the Fed will basically seize these bonds um, and they've paid for it via the uh, new, newly freshly added liquidity. And in such case, it would be de facto uh, QE. It would even uh, remove those uh, um, bonds permanently from the private market uh, and move them to the Fed balance sheet. So I think it is likely that at these parts, of what we're seeing right now will eventually end up um, as de facto QE. And that is why I consider it fair to a certain extent that the market uh, sees this as QE. It's not QE per se, but it is indirect QE, or at least it risks being indirect QE in not so uh, long from now. Just a quick moment to remind you, today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by Crane Shares, 
Learn about their KRBN ETF at craneshares.com forward slash KRBN. Now back to today's analysis. And if we look at um, the overall question here, now that we are faced with the banking crisis, I um, I think it's worthwhile looking into uh, what I call credit standards by, by banks. Um, the Federal Reserve even directly referred to lending standards, uh, credit tightness in their uh, statement yesterday. Uh, Powell was also referring to it uh, several times through the press conference. And the question here is whether banks will now take very conservative decisions on the back of this uh, liquidity slash deposit crisis in the system. And if we are to see even firmer or tighter uh, credit standards from here, I feel relatively certain that it is the trigger for a recession, the recession that we've been talking about forever, it almost feels like, uh, but we've always needed that trigger and this deposit crisis could be that trigger if we get a very conservative decision making from banks on the back of it. And uh, if we, for example, look at credit standards right now, um, we've seen a clear move towards tighter lending standards by, by, um, by US banks in, in recent quarters. Uh, and if we get another move in that direction, we will be back uh, at 2008 level uh, in terms of credit standards relative to households and um, and corporates. Uh, and to me, that is a, a very great or good predictor of future credit growth and future uh, economic activity consequently. That will eventually lead to the recession. Uh, and therefore, I consider the recession, if not a done deal, then at least clearly the base case now, after what we've seen over the past few weeks. And therefore, I also find it very likely that the Fed hiked the interest rate for the last time yesterday. This was peak Fed funds. Looking at the banking system overall, I've received a bunch of questions on which banks to um, to consider vulnerable, uh, which are the sectors that you would watch out for in this current environment. And one of the things I've been looking into um, is whether uh, regional banks have eligible collateral to post in this new lending program from the Fed on one hand. And then on the other hand, I've looked into the balance sheet of these banks to assess whether they have very risky exposures. So what I show on the chart called which banks are vulnerable is the cocktail of banks with eligible uh, bonds to post in this new lending program relative to their exposure to commercial real estate. We know that real estate as an asset class is illiquid relative to liquid asset markets, uh, which means that the price action in, in, in these assets typically follows the price action in liquid asset markets by, uh, by a time lag of say six to 12 months, uh, which is why the turmoil we saw last year uh, is enough for me to sort of be convinced of weakness in both um, residential real estate, but in particular in commercial real estate this year. And if we look at um, the regional banking space in the US, we find quite a few banks with a very large exposure to commercial real estate. That is on the one hand, uh, you see up uh, towards 40 to 50% exposure of the total asset uh, base of the bank towards this particular um, 
space in in um, in in, re in real estate, which is very concentrated risk, I'd say, uh, if we see drawdowns on on the pricing, which I find likely. And then if you pair that with a very weak bond book to post as collateral. Um, in these new lending programs, you have um, a potential very toxic cocktail for these banks. Um, you can uh, assess this entire list of, of banks uh, in the slide deck that we will post after the show. Uh, we have the balance sheet data posted for, for each and every of, uh, of the banks in the regional banking index in the US. At least I find a, a few very, very vulnerable targets should commercial real estate continue to suffer. And going forward, I think this is the uh, key question to assess now. Will banks with a risky credit exposure be next in line? Uh, should this deposit flight continue? Uh, and I think ultimately the risk here is that a liquidity crisis turns into a credit crisis unless the Fed turns around and pivots relatively soon. Uh, and that is why this banking crisis and this deposit flight crisis ultimately increases the possibility of QE uh, by the end of the day, not just indirect QE as now, but actual QE could be on, on the cards um, within a foreseeable future, in my view. And I think rate cuts will arrive sooner than anticipated by many investment banks, simply as the Fed will be forced into taking that decision. Uh, if they um, want to prevent this from turning into a credit crisis on the back of a liquidity slash deposit crisis. So uh, let's uh, take a look at some of the questions that are coming in. Um, we have a question from Raphael asking whether this banking crisis is, is really over. He sees a KRA underperforming even today when the markets are up. And I think that's a great observation by Raphael. Uh, even after the press release yesterday uh, from the Federal Reserve, which initially uh, sparked a pretty positive reaction in, uh, in risk assets, we saw how financials and real estate were the two sectors underperforming and even falling after the um, uh, the press release and in my opinion those are the two sectors to watch out for right now financials in particular regionals uh, and then the uh, overall re uh, real estate sector uh, with a particular focus on commercial real estate we have a question from uh, Gary saying uh, asking me whether has there been a correlation between an impending recession and negative S&P prices and has it been trumped by this recent um, Federal Reserve balance sheet increase um, I think the question relates to whether you can buy risk assets even despite a recession upcoming um, given that the Federal Reserve is already now uh, in the process of increasing the balance sheet again and I at least find pockets of strength in the equity market um, despite this potential recession upcoming or this rather certain recession upcoming now uh, i find uh, things with a high interest rate sensitivity uh, to be interesting to look into uh, the best sector to be positioned in is the consumer discretionary sector when interest rates and um, inflation is uh, are coming down uh, and i would also uh, at least from a relative perspective suggest that you look towards such sectors rel relative to financials energy and um, real estate when you position yourself in in equity space in coming months if you want to be long risk assets you need to be long uh 
those assets with a, um, a high duration sensitivity since I think interest rates will drop due to this. We have a question from William um, asking uh, how does every 25 uh, basis point rate hike affect these affect these small banks uh, and I think you need to look at this on a trend basis because every time we get a hike to the short term interest rate you essentially widen the spread between uh, Fed funds and deposit rates and small banks uh, are typically even more um, sort of reliant on um, on deposits from from consumers, uh, so they will have to at least to a certain extent follow uh, Fed funds higher, uh, and it's very very expensive for them to do so when the curve is inverted, uh, meaning that profitability takes a massive hit in these regional banks uh, when the curve is inverted, uh, and therefore they will hope and pray for the Fed to turn around and cut interest rates uh, within a a, a reasonably um, foreseeable future, because otherwise uh, they will take a bit big hit from a a margin perspective. We have a question from Gary uh, asking which banks globally uh, I find to be the most risky in, in, in the current environment. And I mean, from from um, from a US perspective, I've uh, basically listed the, the names with the biggest exposures to commercial real estate, Valley National Bank Corp, um, Glacier Group, um, are some of the few uh, I could mention. And um, you should probably need to look into the balance sheet of each bank to, to really find those vulnerabilities. Uh, I think a, a large exposure to commercial real estate is, is one of them, uh, at least if you pair it with a, a, a weak liquidity apparatus uh, and a weak bond book to post as uh, eligible collateral to um, to the new uh, Fed lending program. In Europe, uh, I actually find cracks to be slowly but surely appearing in some of the bigger banks. Um, Deutsche Bank is, is a good example of a bank um, which has suffered for, for a few quarters in a row. Uh, it, it seems to a certain extent similar to Credit Suisse, even though the business model is, is quite different. Uh, uh, other other vulner, vulnerable targets include uh, big French banks such as uh, Société Générale. Um, so I think there are vulnerabilities in in certain banks, but I don't have any firm evidence of concrete banks being under a um, a massive pressure from a deposit flight. Uh, so I would rather watch price action in in some of these uh, banks where you can pinpoint the vulnerabilities in uh, in the balance sheet to assess uh, where the next vulnerable targets could be. We have a final question coming in from um, from Batsirai uh, asking which assets uh, will do well when a recession is confirmed um, and whether risk assets will do well as soon as the recession is basically uh, confirmed from sort of a by the rumors sell the fact uh, perspective. And I think uh, um, Batsirai is onto something here because typically what we see when the market acknowledges that the recession risk is increasing is that we see a sell-off on an index level in equities. But as soon as the recession is a done deal, as soon as we get those um, GDP numbers printing at negative territory, in negative territory, then it is typically a sign that central banks will have to push liquidity into the system again to a large extent. It is typically a sign that the yield curve will start to re-steepen uh, in, in an aggressive way, etc., which will allow some of the very weak links in the equity market to, uh, to rebound. But as of now, I would focus my attention on consumer discretionary and, and, and similar to, uh, types of sectors with a 
uh, high duration um, beta. Uh, so basically a um, a sensitivity to falling interest rates, which is positive for, for some of these sectors, uh, while financials, energy and uh, real estate are the ones that I will certainly avoid in my own portfolio after, uh, after this uh, crisis emerged. Final question from Gary. Um, did the Fed explanation yesterday surprise you in any way, Andreas? And um, I, it didn't really surprise me that they uh, were not willing to accept being the root cause of, of this crisis. Uh, so um, my my working assumption has been throughout that uh, throughout this two week crisis now that uh, it has to get worse before it gets better, since the Fed will not acknowledge that uh, interest rate cuts are needed unless they are forced to acknowledge it, and markets are simply holding up too well right now for them to acknowledge it. Um, so that is uh, probably the thing that you should watch for uh, if you really want to bet on that Fed pivot. You need to see a slide in, in, in risk asset prices before you can go all in on that uh, Fed pivot story and uh, all in on the QE is back uh, narrative. Uh, for now, I think the first leg is lower, which will force the Fed to 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 take uh, the decision, at least in in um, in some of those very vulnerable sectors that we've discussed: financials, real estate, and uh, and energy. And that is probably the final thing I I want to mention to you in in this live edition of Steno Signals. If the Fed decides to address this question of uh, deposit flights, they will do it in a very technical way initially. Um, and one way of doing it is to cap the access to this overnight reverse repo facility at the Federal Reserve. We discussed it uh, as one of the daily gauges of deposit flight. If the increase um, or if the usage of the reverse repo facility um, is on the up, it is a signal that money market funds receive inflows from um, bank deposits. Uh, and if the Fed decides to just say no thank you to money market funds trying to post uh, the excess liquidity at the reverse repo facility, it is the first sign that the Fed is trying to sort of push uh, clients indirectly back into the banking system. Uh, and it would de facto be a pretty material rate cut if they decided to just cap the access to so the reverse repo facility, it is designed to keep a floor be, uh, below uh, Fed funds effectively uh, and also a floor effectively uh, under T-bill rates. Uh, so if they decided to cap this uh, reverse repo facility uh, and the su supply side of it, uh, it would eventually lead to a landslide in T-bill yields uh, and something that you should be under watch for because I would consider that very risk positive um, given that. Uh, if you cannot park your money in a, in a money market fund to the same extent as you've been used to, uh, it also means that yields drop in the front end. It uh, eventually means that more people will automatically be pushed further out the risk curve and uh, into equities and the likes. I will uh, leave it there for this live version of Stenos Signals. Thank you very much for watching out there and thanks for all of the great questions. We will be back again next week with another update on the global macro landscape. And one thing uh, I can guarantee you is that it will not be boring over the next two, three, four weeks from here because the deposit flight currently continues. Thank you for watching.
Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by CraneShares. Learn about their KRBN ETF at craneshares.com forward slash KRBN.